Good day, everyone. Welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. I'm Mark from the hardly ever on YouTube channel, but across most social media as Mark and Cars. That's Mark with a C. And like every other week, joined by Ajmal Flatcap Driver. G'day, Ajmal. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's just been a, a, an amazing week over here, apart from it hasn't been a heat wave. So I'm comfortably mellow today. Nice to hear. Nice to hear. Now, I mean, give it a minute. Give it a minute. I'll go off into a rant in a bit. But yeah, right look, I'm, I'm, look, I'm counting the moments for the rant. Hey, <laughs> last weekend, I was fortunate enough to have a visitor here in Perth that was a Australian social media Porsche guy, YouTube, does everything way more important than us, and had dinner with him and his wife. And he is our guest this evening. Welcome, Jeff, by Home Built by Jeff. G'day. How are you, mate? Hey, you going, Mark? Hey, Ajmal, how are you guys going? Good, it's great to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, good to uh, good to come on and uh, um, have a chat. I'm, I'm usually uh, listening to you guys while I'm tinkering away on my silly projects in the garage, so uh, it's it's nice to actually uh, chat to you guys. So, Jeff, for the four listeners that we have on our podcast, three probably already subscribed to your channel anyway, but for that other one that doesn't. Tell us, what is Home Built by Jeff as a YouTube channel? What do you do? Um, well, I suppose I, I, I started, I didn't intend to be a YouTuber, if you uh, you want to call me that. Um, I actually uh, was going to build my uh, 1974 uh, 911 into some sort of, uh, sort of RSR tribute sort of uh, inspired build if you like and um, instead of just doing a regular build thread on a forum I thought I may as well you know make some videos about it because that's the sort of thing that I would watch so I'm like okay well I may as well you know do that sort of stuff and it sort of grew from there and uh, yeah I've uh, been doing it for six or seven years now something like that. Well you yeah. must obviously come from a strong panel beating background and car maintenance background do you? Uh, no, no, not at all. I'm a, uh, I'm a, a, a home tinkerer. Um, my day job is I'm a firefighter, so I got plenty of time off and uh, I like to learn how to do things. So I've uh, sort of stumbled through into that. I, 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 when I got out of school, I joined the army and after the army, I actually, uh, I was an airbrush artist and I did work on cars for, for a while. And, and uh, for 13 years, I was an airbrush artist doing sort of, um, you know, airbrushing dragons and half naked ladies and tigers and stuff on, on, uh, on cars. Back We're going to come that, back that to this. Era. We're going to definitely come back to this, but let's get <laughs> <laughs> So I did that for quite a while. So I do have a little bit of a background in painting, but again, that was just sort of self-taught and just sort of, uh, tinkering through. And then from then on, I just sort of, I like to learn how to do stuff. So, uh, on Harry, my nine eleven. um, uh, named after Ajmal, you're uh, Prince Harry because it's orange and uh, has a uh, royal purple interior. I basically took my 911. Sorry, what was that? I was going to say, on a propensity to lose the back end. <laughs> Maybe it does. It did for a while, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, so so basically, uh, uh, my thing on, on my channel is that, that I, I went through and I stripped the whole car down, took it back to bare metal, did all the rust repairs and uh, welded on the wide body uh, rear guards and um, sort of did all the, the, the back date 
thing. So it looks like a 73 RSR. And um, yeah, I painted the car in my garage. I rebuilt the engine uh, with the help of uh, Neil, who runs performance developments in Los Angeles. He actually reached out to me and I shipped the engine over to him uh, and flew over there and did most of the machining myself in the workshop or I had a, a small hand in a lot of the machining on sure. his workshop. He did the he did the lion's share. I won't take credit for that. But uh, and and so and then I brought it back and then I then I uh, assembled the engine and um, and then I uh, I bought an industrial sewing machine and sewed the leather interior and I uh, yeah I basically did every single part of the of the car myself and uh, wired the uh, the ECU for the aftermarket uh, engine management. So now it's got. Um, air conditioning and cruise control and uh you know it, it's a you know it's a, it's a nice usable you know sort of dailyable car that i've you know been on week-long road trips on and stuff like that so it's it's uh, it's great and yeah so i sort of continued from there i've done also done a uh, I did sort of a small project of a beetle i did a datsun 240z that um that one of i ended up my one of my viewers flew over in the u.s and bought it and shipped it back to the america and um now I've got a uh, my 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 latest stupid project, which has been two and a half years, is the Alfa Ferrari. So I have a uh, a 1974 Alfa 105 that I've put a Ferrari 360 V8 engine into the front of, and that's been quite a project. It has been. We've uh, I've been following it avidly. With the 911, Jeff, tell us the car, you said you mentioned before it was a 1974 car that you've backdated to 73. Was that correct? Yes, that's correct. So it was the first of the impact bumper with yep. the, um, the 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 horrible um, uh, update engine that uh, obviously you know they tried to make it uh, run hotter to work with the emissions of the time, and that pulled the uh, the head studs out of the magnesium case, which happened to pretty much all of them. And um, yeah, we actually salvaged the case even after it had been rebuilt by a blind man using a potato uh, to drill out the old holes. And um, and uh, he did some horror. They really did some horrible, horrible things to the engine that we, uh, with the help of Neil at Performance Developments, managed to, uh, to rectify. And yeah. Am I correct in assuming that this project six plus mm-hmm. years ago, when you mm-hmm. bought this car and thought, there's a car I'm going to cut and shut. I'm going to have a go at that. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. it would have been, priced appropriately that you felt okay to have a crack at or was this a big financial deal for you at the time uh it was it was still when when i saw it it actually came up for sale and it was a complete car with a blown engine um and sort of had you could see sort of rust coming through and bad bodywork and things like that like sure. so it was but but it was complete the prices had started moving on 911s and at the time I paid about $16,000. So it wasn't cheap for, for a, for a, a bomb basically yep, yep. that had been sitting outside for 10 years. Uh, you know, but it wasn't, but, but it's not the same sort of thing now would be selling for, a, for, for a substantially more than that. Same said bomb would be a $50,000 car today in Australia though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so it was, it was expensive, but uh, but reasonable, and I probably was naive enough to not realise how expensive 911 <laughs> engines were rebuilt and, and how much work it would take. But but uh, but uh, but I but I you know I wanted a project, and that was 
a very good place to start. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Tell me, with the, uh, you know the car, oh, was it an Australian delivered car or was it a left-right conversion? What's the story there? It, it's a it's a US delivered car that was badly converted to uh, right-hand drive. And so I had to fix a lot of that stuff because it was it was yeah it was not done very nicely so i've changed they sort of cobbled together the left hand drive pedal box and sort of made it work on the right sure which had some very janky sort of linkages and stuff that i was not very happy with so i pulled it all out and i put a uh, like a race pedal box in i converted to a hydraulic clutch and um you know lots of different things and it's an electronic throttle as well in the car so there's lots oh, wow. of things that i've changed over in it yeah amazing the now that you know the car inside out literally Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you've obviously learnt a lot since you started this project absolutely how long's the list of what you're going to go back and fix now well i have actually been going back through it so the car's been on the road for a couple of years now yeah good um it's um, like I sort of finished the the bodywork of the car, and um, I actually made a um, I made a compilation video. Even though I hadn't finished the engine, I'd stripped the engine down, and I was sort of, you know, working with with Neil and uh, and sort of having to fly over there and sort of, you know, it's a love job and things like that. So that took a while to get that done. But I I made this compilation video, this sort of four minute video of of the uh, the nine eleven build that I then posted onto. Um, Facebook and that got shared around by basically everybody, Jalopnik, Carthrill, Daily Mail, everybody you can think of all, all reposted it. And I stopped counting at about 50 million views. Oh, that's amazing. It went went crazy. And um, I think a lot of it was also because of my sort of controversial purple tartan interior. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so, so um, yeah, basically getting back to it i've got the car back on the road and i've been going through and fixing all the little tiny things like you know getting the the wipers to park the wipers work but they wouldn't park themselves so you know just little things that you can live without it but it makes it much nicer when it does the thing it's supposed to do and and those sort of things are the the little things that have been going back through and just making better and working yeah i appreciate that tell me um with the with those little things, hmm. I've observed inside your interior there, other than the purple um, interior and very purple roll cage. That, yes. How do you clean the back seat of that car? Because I reckon I've already seen spiderwebs with less, um, less uh, with better access than that getting into the back of that car of yours. It, it definitely with fixed racing buckets, and I went stupidly overboard with a roll cage because because i've got way too many bars in the thing for 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 a half cage um uh yeah cleaning the back seat's not too hard cleaning the back window is near on impossible oh yeah okay <laughs> well you got something on a stick do you that you uh... <laughs> yeah. um but i actually came across a uh, uh something that made cleaning the window was less of the issue than i found that road tripping the car I couldn't put anything in the, like I couldn't carry any, any luggage in the car because I had this roll cage, but worse still was fixed racing buckets. You couldn't get the buckets far enough forward to even slip like a, a day bag in oh and they goodness. sat so high. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could just sort of shoehorn my helmet between the seats into the back, <laughs> but it was just, it really limited the use. 
but I found that um, I think it's OMP's the brand, but it's actually got a, a bracket that the seat sits on, on the rails that I can actually tilt the entire seat forward slightly. Oh, yeah, sort of, yeah, nice. Yeah. And it hinges up and it doesn't hinge, it, it doesn't take far till it hits the roof, but it's enough that I can now actually get bags in and then get them under the roll cage and into the back seat yep. and actually. Yep. So Mrs. Jeff and myself went uh, on a, um, to uh, Lufwasser the, uh, earlier this year and, uh, and sort of, you know, took all of our gear in, the, the 911 for the international I've, I've, for, for the international listeners ajmal the tell me oh, and tell them how far away is lufwasa from where you live jeff um it's it's not too bad it's about 5 hours from where i am so yeah, sure. so it, it's sort of a, a, a bit of a national sort of event um but yeah and there's people who come from queensland so they they travel sort of 15 hours to get there but but yeah hours, it's 5 hours not too not too bad Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I love the way you got you guys say that's not too bad. Here, it's like, what? I have to drive over an hour. Forget that. It's not worth it. <laughs> you guys go, oh yeah, so yeah, it's just five hours down the road. <laughs> but Jeff, you're just saying about when you go back, when you've got your car on the road, and you're, then you're looking through it and going, right, there's some things that I want to do. Mm. How do you mo- motivate yourself to then go back and start taking? Because I'm terrible at once the car's on the road, I I just stop seeing all of those issues because I, I don't want to take it back off the road. So, you know, one of the examples was my old 1968 MGB that I had. I needed an accelerator bracket, pedal bracket, and I couldn't get one in time. And I wanted to get, it was the last thing I had to fit to get the car on the road. And I took uh, a carpet room divider and mm-hmm. I bent it into shape, put holes in it and fixed it in the car and used that. <laughs> and it, I, the, the actual part arrived. But I never took that thing out for 23 years. I drove the car like that with this aluminium <laughs> piece bent and bolted in the accelerator pedal just because I just couldn't bring myself to take it off the road thinking if I stop halfway because I'm distracted by something else, you know, months will pass or years will pass and I won't go back to it. Did you never think, do I want to take it apart again when, it can, when it's perfectly drivable at the moment? It, it is tough. I've, a great example is I actually... Um, the first day I got the car on the road, uh, I just took it around to a friend's place. It's only sort of two kilometers from my house. And uh, he, he, I parked out the front and just looking back at the car. And he's like, is that a puddle on your car? I'm like, no, it's just brand new. It's all perfect. And it's like, oh, no, that is the puddle. That's quite a puddle. Uh, and uh, the um, my, my 911's got a, an early 915 gearbox, which has got a... Uh, a cable-driven speedo. The later ones are all uh, electronic. And the drive had come out and fallen back into the gearbox. So the, oh, the all the gearbox oil was just pouring out the hole and I had to drop the engine to to actually fish the gear back out. And, uh, and I found it had broken bits and stuff like that. So I just made up a, a little plug and plugged the hole again um, so I could get the car back on the road. So you had to, you can't pull the gearbox out without pulling the engine out. So it's engine and gearbox out, pull the gearbox off, pull the, pull the gearbox apart and oh, fix God. that and plugged it. So for the two years, I've been driving with no speedo, just using the GPS to my phone, which is not that bad. The, thing that I that annoyed me more well, a is having a gauge that doesn't work that does irritate me but the not having an odometer so not really knowing how far I've traveled in it for service intervals and things like that is yeah. really annoying so but I did actually um, 
you know, it was it was ready. It was time for for oil change. So I was like, okay. So again, I dropped the engine and gearbox out of the car, pulled the gearbox apart, fixed it up, and now I have a working speedo again. But it is it is difficult to get the motivation. But I did also make my car. I've got quick releases on everything in the engine, and actually, when I did that, I also I've, I've because I pulled the engine out multiple times, as people on my channel will know. Um, every time I pull it out, the um, the hardest part is actually um, the fuel line. So I've actually now got quick release uh, fittings oh, wow. on the fuel lines as well. Like dry brake uh, quick releases on the fuel lines. Uh, also on my hydraulic clutch, I did did uh, dry brake on that as well. I've got bulkhead fittings for the um, for the the uh, the wiring. So I just undo like sort of three wire plugs, um, the the two fuel lines, and basically just unbolt it, and the whole engine cup drops down and out of the car. And it takes me about. 45 minutes to drop the engine. Mate, so you're ready to race Le Mans with a oh. setup like that. <laughs> no. Jeff, that not early no, 915 gearbox mechanical yes. speedo drive. Yes. Mate, there would not be many of those those left. You know, although that's like only 74 or 75. After that, they sort of went electronic, I thought, isn't it? I so, think they did. At least so they got the that ST's. funny little tang piece or something that's super rare yes. part. Yeah, well, you can't get it. I, oh, I look okay. it up. Porsche don't make it anymore. Like one, one of the it's one of the rare things that they no longer make because they make pretty much everything, but yeah. that's that's no longer available. So thankfully, one of my viewers basically what it did it's got a tiny little um, thin ring land on it that a circlet goes on, and that land broke off. So it was. I do have a lathe, but uh, I'm definitely not. It's it's. You're talking. The shaft is probably only um, oh, six or eight mil in diameter. Um, it's far too fine for, for my lathe skills, but one of my viewers uh, volunteered to pick it up and uh, he actually welded it back up again and returned it and put the land back in it again and so and repaired it for me. So uh, um, I was very, very grateful for that and re reinstalled it. The only reason I'm aware of that part is one of my previous jobs was working for VDO Instruments in the 90s and there was lots of left to right hand drive Porsches that came to conversions done in Western Australia back then. And yeah, all those old mechanical speedos, half of them had that piece broken, but it was still a part available. We could just call the Porsche center. They'd send over a bag of them. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, um, my, to, to get cruise control working in my car, um, because I've, I've set my car up with, it's got individual throttle bodies, but I actually set up, uh, it's a, uh, um, BMW M5 V10 uh, electronic throttle actuator that I connected up to the individual throttle bodies and wired it in through like an, another electronic pickup on the pedal uh, to control my, my throttle, which is great because it also does like idle control and things like that, which is also always an issue on individual throttle bodies, particularly for cold start warm up and things like that. Sure. But it can also do, you do the cruise control, but to actually, um, I didn't have a speed sensor because I have a manual, I have a, a cable. So I actually put a couple of fake bolts into the um, uh, the drive shaft and made a Hall effect sensor effect that picked sensor. up the, drive, the bolts on the drive shaft <laughs> so that could actually be my speed signal to the ECU. Yep. So I could have swapped out my original Speedo, but it was... I couldn't get a speedo for a good price. People wanted a thousand dollars for a speedo, and I thought, well, it's easier to just replace that little drive than change over to an electronic speedo. So, Especially if yeah. someone else is going to make the part for you. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, they just just re yeah. repaired it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, uh, um, yeah, 
changing everything over to to electronics. So yeah. So the, again, I love it's just all these my... little things you need to tackle. <laughs> well, I love in my in my nine twelve how uh, the speedo needle bounces. You know, you know, you're in an old car. When it yes. doesn't just go up smoothly, it bounces up and down. No, that's and, uh, actually not true. It means you're in an old car with an old speedo cable. That's <laughs> right, and it's probably about to break. But also, two of the dials don't work on my car, so you know I, I need to get those sorted out. But again, it's because it's working. I yes, can't, I just can't be asked well, to a version of working when two of them oh. don't work. Correct. Uh, well, yeah, a version of working. Yes, <laughs> the, the crucial ones. The crucial ones work. I mean, I've got the temperature gauge working, so that that was important. Because before yes. my 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 gauge of temperature was how much heat I was feeling on the back of my head while I was driving, and okay. some days you go, oh, that that it's a bit it's a bit toasty in here. So you'd stop and have a look and go, oh right, the fan belt's broken or something. But you know you get the red light. Classic, yeah. Classic for that. I'm just that little bit hotter, and it just felt like. Oh my God, it's really hot in here. I'm sure it's not supposed to be this hot. Um, and then once I put the Timware back on, it just drove better. Everything happened better. And you know, at first you don't realize that this it's missing. So I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but then I looked at a friend's car and you just see lots of bits missing all over the place. And then as soon as you start putting them back on, it makes a huge difference. That is the problem with getting these old cars when they've been modified and all these different people have worked on them and you, you don't even really know what's supposed to be there and what's not. So that makes it even harder. Yeah. <laughs> oh absolutely there's tons of stuff missing on mine but now that it works that's it i've got my yes. uh, i've got my period sanyo stereo in there with a cassette in of queen's greatest hits i'm happy yeah nice nice <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> jeff um was the car always going to be orange and purple um yeah i really like the the orange and i and i actually went through a lot of uh it is actually a period um correct orange but most of the cars at that time were either um, signal orange, which I found was a little bit too light yep. or tangerine, which is almost red. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I was looking at uh, the period colors and this is actually, my car's actually golf orange, which is the sort of the, the really, really vibrant, bright orange, which is, uh, yeah. Uh, anybody who, uh, who has, has seen my, my cars knows that I like the bright colors and, uh, yeah. And that's always, that's always the way I'll go. And the interior with the purple and the tartan, was that a, always going to be a purple you just thought the complement the way the two colors complement each other yeah i i mean there were plenty of uh, people particularly non-porsche people who didn't know who didn't really get the the tartan thing that's looked at the interior and go why has it got a tartan interior they're not realizing that well they actually did have tartan interiors in the 70s and uh, it, it is does sort of match didn't have this exact type but uh, yeah it was just more the highlights so i've got the little um i've got two black GT racing stripes that go over the whole way over the car. And then there's a small sort of pinstripes either side, which are purple uh, on that. That's sort of the highlight color. And um, I've got, you know, Porsche written down the side of the cars and that's in purple with sort of black lines around that. Um, so it's just, it was just sort of that, that little highlight color. I wanted a highlight color to go with it. And I suppose it's from my airbrushing days from sort of pinstriping, um, you know, the sort of Celtic artwork down the side of a car or whatever. I'd always, you know, you'd always pinstripe it in a, in a sort of contrasting colour and that was, uh, you know, if I did orange, I'd probably pinstripe it in purple. So that's where it came from. Now, I'm glad you've uh, brought up the airbrushing again. Yes. How did you stop yourself? I would have loved for this car to be a uh, Janis Joplin style tribute, but uh, home built by Jeff. Why, why didn't you? 
because uh, because I did it for thirteen years, and I was well and truly sick of them. And, yeah. and like, <laughs> you need another skull with a snake coming out of an eyeball type thing. Yeah, most of that stuff was not necessarily to my taste. <laughs> um, yeah, I did have airbrush cars, particularly when I was younger when I started. But um, yeah, I was uh, definitely yeah, uh, yeah, definitely by the time I was on the nine eleven, that was not going to be airbrushed. <laughs> Although, although if you look at the way I write uh, uh, Porsche on the on the ducktail at the back, um, the the stripe actually travels through it, and it's actually positive negative. It's hard to explain, but if you actually see it, it actually sort of um, Porsche is written in black. The the GT stripes are in black, but where the different colours sort of go through the Porsche, it, it goes to uh, the 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 opposite colour, so you can still read it across the back. But Got it. Uh, yeah, oh. a bit different. Yeah. Oh, one of the things that I wanted to ask was, and I was thinking about this just the other day, where remember about 20 years ago, you know, cars that were now we call them tributes and evocation and whatever it might be, they were replicas, weren't they? And, and replica has kind of a negative connotation to it, whereas a, a, a tribute and anything else is more, uh, it's kind of in the ballpark of what the original was, but it's kind of it's it's resto modded in a way that says it's way more drivable probably has way more power has a lot more mod cons and what's the point of copying something that's really old with its foibles from all those years ago whereas now all of these words that we describe them with I, in my mind mean that they're actually they're made to look and there's something in the ballpark of the old one and the keep the spirit of the old one but they're just better for everyday driving like you say you can drive four or five hours in yours. I don't know if you could in an original one. Yeah, well, I, I suppose mine's definitely not a replica because it's it's definitely not built as a race car. Um, it was, to be honest, it was more that I liked the look of that. I was inspired, particularly singers were quite new at the time and I was sort of inspired by that. And I'm, I realised that I was never... Uh, going to be one to be able to spend that sort of money on on a, on a singer, but uh, that style of thing I really liked. Um, whether I would backdate it again today, I don't know. But at the time, it was you know, and, and I love it, and I'm glad it's that. I'm not putting it back to being an impact bumper, mm. but but I don't know whether I would again, just because time, times move on and and impact. I've come around more to impact bumpers than maybe when I started, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with that because the, the the impact bumpers they had a negative um, sort of people had a negative opinion of them for so long, um, mm. and it was all backdate, 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 even up to you know obviously Singer backdate nine six fours, and it got to the point where they're all dying out because people are doing that. And then I go to a cars and coffee thing on Sunday, and my friends there in his nineteen eighty four short hood kind of impact bumper one, and you're there going, my God, that looks good. And it's because, yeah, it's because they're having their moment, aren't they? And everything, you know, even when the 993 came out, people were saying. It dropped off on me there, well, Ashmo, for a bit. Well, it's not connected. Oh, am I back? Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you were saying about the 993. Oh, oh yeah. yeah uh, 993, I want to turn my video off and maybe that will stop it. But even yeah. with the 993, people were saying, you know, is, is it changed too much? Is this how we want the the nine? No, he's out. We've dropped him, Jeff, like no, a hot potato. He's back. No, no. It was me last week too. Bloody, bloody technology. 
or lack thereof. Um, we can sort of hear you in bits and pieces, Ajmal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, but I, I sort of get what he, what he was saying. And, yeah, ultimately, the aim for my but cars... Sorry? Yeah. Uh, Ajmal's getting muted. I don't know what's my, going on there. A lot of my cars, I, I generally try and build something that I could use today So and, and use as a comfortable car to do a road trip in. That's sort of my aim for these cars is something I can take on track, but it's not a track car. Cause I know that it's, you know, I'm not going to race it. I want something that's going to be reasonably comfortable to take on a low, long trip. I've got sort of three layers sound deadening in my 911, even though it's actually now the exhaust is far too loud and the uh, ITBs are really loud. So it sort of defeats that. I get no road noise, but uh, it's still drones on the highway, which is something that I am already still looking at trying to quieten it down and have it so that I can have both. But I want to have a, a do-everything car, sort of basically the concept of what a Singer is, really. Like, you, want a, you want an air-cooled GDS, don't you? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. It's 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 not a GD3 RS. It's not it's not a race car. It's it's a yeah. It's something that I can actually use all the time, and hence why the Alfa Ferrari that uh, my current silly project has air conditioning, cruise control, electric windows, um, all all of the, the the comfortable bits to actually make it a usable car, not just something that's a stripped out race car, because that would make life a lot easier. I look at a lot of these cars that get built with you know, uh, sort of no interiors and stuff. It makes, yeah, it's much easier to build a car like that. Uh, it looks amazing, but it's horrible to use every day. It's got no sound ending stuff. It's, it's, those cars are really, yeah, not fun. Jeff, on the, what are you going to do when you've got two cars that do the same thing? You're going to have this 911 and you're going to have the El Ferrari. Both are being built with a similar ethos in mind with that whole take of the track have some fun half cage but still be a nice cruiser on the highway by the sounds of it uh well i'm sure that uh, what probably will, will happen is is a i'll pick and choose which one is more suited to the job depending on the the trip like uh well for example this uh, tasmania trip that i did um at the start of the year i did eight days i traveled from uh, my place in near Sydney down to uh, across the ferry to Tasmania with a bunch of other Porsche tragics and did eight days uh, around doing all the target Tasmania stages and a couple of track days and then then back in and if we're doing Porsches that that that's that's the car I take um, and um, yeah there's actually talk of uh, that same group that uh, they all want that we, we all want to do the non push trip. So yeah, okay. uh, most sure. of you guys have yep. other cars. Curious. Take, yep. take the other car. Yeah, great. And an interesting topic that I brought up when we caught up the other evening for dinner, you, mm. you mentioned a term relating to Porsche called mm -hmm. dollars per horsepower. Yes. <laughs> and how poor a value the flat six motor is. Oh, they they are hideously expensive to rebuild and extremely complicated. I mean, I'm definitely not an engine builder, but I have built a couple of engines now. Just, I mean, I built my 911 engine and I built my Datsun 240Z engine. They're both the uh, basically the same age. They're both 2.8 liters, or my 911 engine now 2.8 liters. Um, 
the Datsun engine is so simple. It's so easy. It's got a it's got a basic you know a, a block with you know it, it just just very very simple easy concept to put together. Sure. Whereas the uh, the nine eleven engine with the split case and just so many different like the the infinitely adjustable cam timing so getting the cam timing right is 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 almost a black art and and just yeah a, a extremely complicated thing to put together and uh, i don't particularly want to rebuild another 911 engine but the price is hideous hence why my new project i bought a ferrari engine which was much much cheaper than building an old 911 engine with double the horsepower as as i'm sure a lot of listeners are as well i was shocked that that yeah. is the case you know that the ferrari engine is cheaper yes. than the 911 engine and it's interesting you bring up the topic of how uh complicated the 911 motor was compared to the 240Z. Now, I'm going to go off memory here, but I'm pretty sure the 240Z motor was a Japanese version of a BMW six-cylinder motor that came out around the same era. You know, it was pretty much knocked off as a, you know, they they went and got one of these motors and said, that works, we'll just make one like that type mentality, right? So I, I think it was... Yeah, something along those lines. BMW or Mercedes, something like that. I think There'll be a listener out there that will correct me, yeah. no doubt. And... um the with the complexity that goes with that 911 motor it's baffling that that motor is renowned for its reliability yet having that complexity to me yes like you can drive that thing flat strapped for 12 hours or 24 hours as le mans proves and the thing is still you could then drive it home yeah i mean i suppose because it's it's an evolution of the beetle engine and i mean uh, some people think they're, 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 you know, I'll get upset when they, when they call my car a beetle, but uh, having owned a beetle, I can see the evolution and see how it actually did. It definitely came from that, that thing. And I suppose they've refined it so much along the way and the beetle engine was much simpler and they've kept adding and adding and adding, making it more and more complicated, even to the fact that you can use, uh, a you know, 996 GT3 crank in an old air-cooled engine. Like, it's still the same engine all the way through. You know, they, they actually, it, it get, gets more and more complicated of the same basic principle. And people are surprised that Porsche are profitable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they keep things going for a long time. Yeah, they, they, they love tooling. They love keeping the old tooling. There's no doubt about that. I'm the same as you. I was like, just thinking, just sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, go on, Ashmal. Just on that bit before, before we go off the topic of, uh, you just asked the question to Jeff about, you're going to end up with two cars that are very similar. Um, yes. The characteristics of the cars, although they'll be similar in ethos in how you've built them, but surely the characteristics and how the engine, I mean, a Ferrari engine and a Porsche engine and, and front engine and rear engines, it's got to be so different, the experience. Surely it'll be so different that you'll think, they're not the same and the choice won't be a case of it's which driving experience do I prefer if you had to choose one of them rather than, you know, what's more practical or anything like that. De definitely. I mean, the, the Ferrari engine is, I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't, I haven't actually driven a 360. I've, I've only driven a, uh, a 456 is the only Ferrari I've driven, but um, uh, the, the, the 360 engine is a flat plane crank V8 
that revs to 8700 rpm so it's going to be it's going to be a screamer it's going to, it's going to be fun with a six-speed manual box it's 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 it should it should be fun but yes definitely a very different driving experience to the 911 which i'm quite looking forward to sorry mark on the um this is pretty much the last point i'm going to ask you about the 911 jeff mm. What was the single biggest challenge of the project? It was definitely the engine build. Like that was even even the wiring um, because I did. I've got a, a aftermarket ECU in that um, in in that car, and um, wiring it up is um, I thought would be daunting, and. It's actually like if you can wire up a car stereo, you can wire up an ECU. You take it one wire at a time and it's really not as complicated as you would imagine because you look at a bundle, you're holding a bundle of 50 different colored wires and go, holy moly, there is no way I can do this. But one at a time, it actually is not that hard. The, the, the more complicated stuff and the things that was was more stressful was, well, actually, I suppose the, the, the worst thing was probably putting the... Um, um, the the wrist pins into the um, uh, to hold the pistons in because that is such a a difficult thing. You've got the the obviously the the rods are already coming out of the case. Uh, you've got it up one way. You've got to you, you've got to have the piston inside the barrel so that the rings don't come out, but just enough of the bottom <laughs> so you can get the pin in. And because particularly on my car, I've got a, um, uh, we've we've gone with all modern technology. So most of the hot rod parts for these old cars are sort of 40 year old designs, but uh, uh, Neil uh, actually designed modern short skirt pistons with thinner um, <laughs> rings. And it's a lighter 18 mil gudgeon pin instead of the 22 mil, I believe is the original uh, pin. So getting these little, you've got no space because you've got other pistons next to each other. You've got to try and hold it there and get this, this extremely tight, like little clip into the end without popping the, the cylinder up and the ring coming out. It just, that was extremely infuriating and, and, and a nightmare to do. People do well, this I for could, a living. I mean, can I I know, because because the thing is, it's also the with building an engine, especially when you're building it so bespoke, there must be at some point you're doing this stuff and going, I don't know if it's right until I've put the whole thing together and put it in the car and it fires up. Or is there a feeling that you get that's clicked in properly? Or is there ever any doubt is that going to work exactly as I want it to? I was completely scared shitless the first time I tried to start it because I'm sure I must have messed something up. <laughs> and and like I mentioned, it's not cheap. Um, and and yeah, it is it is an extremely scary thing. Every time I, I pull an engine apart or do something like that and start it and it actually runs, uh, I am shocked and I'm still uh, yeah, petrified of something going wrong. Um, but yeah, sorting through... To be honest, I, I much prefer. I, I totally get that. Yeah, well, to be honest, I much prefer fabrication to mechanical work. Um, my, my other current project, which is my stupid project, is I have a, uh, a the the ugliest Boxster in Australia. I bought, which is a hideous nine eight six Boxster that some uh, young guy 
uh, in Western Sydney bought and did some horrible things to. Um, it, it's, it, it's got a couple of eagles, like stickers on the bonnet underneath the paint. Uh, it's got like this awful bonnet bulge that was like a bonnet bulge on a boxster, which is you know really required, but it's got neon lights <laughs> inside the bonnet bulge. The interior is full of neon lights. All the windows were tinted, including the windscreen at like 5%. So you couldn't see anything out of it. And the it's got fake uh, side pipes stuck on like you know the, all the sort of stick on cheap plastic things you could stick onto these cars a, a wing that, that sort of flops around and doesn't do anything so many horrible things but the worst one was actually they decided to mold in driving lights into the front and they're like what are these two big useless holes in the front of a boxster for let's mold in driving lights and completely block them up so there is zero airflow to the radiator so, <laughs> uh, and i I did remove that, but the, I took it on one track day and it blew the engine the first track day. So I ripped the engine out of it and I put an Audi V8 engine into it because um, the Boxster gearbox is actually a front-wheel drive Audi gearbox in the back of a Boxster. So the Audi V8 bolts straight up to the factory gearbox. And oh. I've, I've um, yeah got that in and got it running, but um, I've been spending the last couple of months fighting leaks and things like that. And and that car's been been put back on the, on the sidelines a lot because it's infuriating me because everything keeps leaking and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> Classic. I think that was one of the, the first projects of yours that I, I, I heard about. And I thought, how, how is that fitting in there? And then, uh, I mean, it was amazing. And obviously, is it is it that the one that you call the Rockster? Yes, that's the um, Rockster. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, mine, obviously, mine's called the Box Turd okay, uh, yes. because it's it's so horrific. But I'll go into this later, but Mark, I sold it yesterday. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Yes. Did, did, how much <laughs> for? The listeners want to know. I, I, I don't know if I want to admit it. It's okay. I, my wife, wife's never going to listen. Your wife's to never going to listen. Fine. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1875 pounds. <laughs> what did you pay for it? I, I, did you pay two and a half, I, I think? I paid 2200 to buy it, and then I spent another two. To get it rolled, <laughs> two thousand. I think Mark's falling off his seat. Yeah, two thousand two hundred to buy, Ooh. two thousand to, to to another two thousand to get it roadworthy. And I've just <laughs> had enough. It just got so depressed because obviously I paid for four hundred pounds to get it delivered to my house, and it had such a deferred maintenance. The guy had been driving it for quite a while without the uh, with the air oil separator gone. I don't know how he was doing that. So when it got changed, everywhere and, I was yeah. constantly getting these blips of yeah blips of oil straight into the intake, and it would just blow. You wouldn't see the car behind you, and then the interior was disgusting. The wheels, the suspension was so shot you could hear the wheels bouncing up and down on the road. And it was horrific. <laughs> so, I got, so I got enough things done to get it through the, the road test, the MOT test over here so I could legally drive it. But that was, I'd spent the nigh on 2,000 pounds. And then I got in and I thought, this is still shit. And, and just, and just got, I don't want this anymore. I can't do anymore. And it's just, you know, it's never going to be a great car. And then you think, how can I justify this? But I can't. So I advertised it. I thought someone's going to pay me two and a half thousand pounds for it. And obviously, once I get through all the scammers, and they I didn't just live down the road. They didn't. No. But the guy, who the first guy who turned up, it's the second day that it was advertised. First guy who turned up, 
and I went, yeah. He made me an offer. I said, yeah. no, bump it up a bit. And then he just took it away there. And yeah, then. On the condition you never see him or the car ever again. Yeah. That, I was I was very clear on that. And I went, <laughs> good, good. Have you got my number? Have you got my number? He went, no. I went, good. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that, that was it. like a car I would have bought. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly it was it sounded great on the days that it you know ran properly it was just you know the you know the boxster with the, where they have that problem with the horn yeah. the the, no. the the o-rings on the the o-rings on the horn on the steering wheel go so when you're driving along and you brake, the horn goes off <laughs> and it doesn't stop. So you're there wrestling with it on the steering wheel and it's bolted in. So you can't just yank it oh, off. No. And it happened. I'm coming down the hill and I, I stop. I brake hard to let other cars through. And I'm just sat there with the horn blaring. <laughs> while they're all coming through. And you know, you're thinking, oh, I just want the ground to open up and swallow me up. So that I, I fixed that. Obviously, that took five minutes. But all the other things I just couldn't bring myself to do. And I just thought it's just going to blow up. And I just wanted rid of it. Jeff, as an Aussie and you yeah. buying this type of car in the past, that being the Rockstar, okay? <laughs> yep. but, in, but if anything, yours is like had the full Alibaba Express pack <laughs> bolted onto it, right? Oh, yeah. Other than that, oh, yeah. a manual Boxster. For thirty eight hundred dollars Australian, which is what Ashmal just sold his car for, is just unheard of. No matter what its oh. condition. Yeah, I, my, mine cost me nine and a half, I think, and that was a bargain. Yeah, absolutely. Oh wow! But mate, you do not see him under twenty a manual in any condition ever yeah. anymore. Yeah. Oh my god! That's like ten thousand oh, pounds, I mean, Ashmal. That's nuts because mine was a two point seven manual. A nice blue, had the GT3 you know, wheels on I don't it. even care what colour it is or what condition it's in. You just don't get them that cheap here, do you, Jeff? No, even even if it was completely thrashed. As this was. Your your car here would have sold for at least 15. Yeah, definitely mid-teens. Uh, yeah. I should have sent yeah, it over for, in for, the post. You should have sent it in yeah. the post. If, you know, I, I said to you, if I was over there, I would have bought the thing. Just so I could keep the, just to keep it as a point of conversation in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, the thing is, it's it's got now gone. And I went to this Cars and Coffee event on Sunday uh, when I and I got my 912. And uh, so my 912's out, but it's uh, it looks really quite disgusting because it's dusty where it's kept. And I don't put... Everyone else has got all the other cars there, the Ferraris and Bentleys and stuff, and they've got those, you know, sealed pods over them. Mm -hmm. And mine's just plonked in between. <laughs> dripping oil everywhere <laughs> and i'm there going every time i got i hope it fires up and it takes me to get it going and it was great drove down to this car uh and coffee event but i parked it next to my friend's 912 which is immaculate polished mm. interior is brilliant everything's fantastic but i just don't do that thing where i take the time to clean it i haven't fitted seat belts so there's no seat belt still um, there's tons of little things that I could be doing that I just don't do. One of the things is where you press the button to let yourself out. Now, if someone's done a home mod because that little rod that goes through the handle is, uh, is an old copper pipe that someone's shaped to work probably every now and again, where I'm not concentrating, I just press it and it falls out the bottom. <laughs> so I have to open the window and let myself out. <laughs> and get it fish it out of the pocket and then click it back in and every time i think 
when I get home, I'm going to fix that because it's bloody embarrassing. It's pro- I, that I part's do. probably like realistically, any... because it's across so many 911s as well, right? How, what, a $9 US part? Yeah, but mine's made, it's made of copper, so it's not going to rust. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, the rest of the car will. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the car will. <laughs> but my, door, yes, my, do, my copper do. door pipe won't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, let's talk. That's left. Let's talk Porsche stuff in general. Big week. Monterey Car Week was on. I'm sure the both of you uh, followed avidly about what cars were getting released and what was getting dropped into the marketplace. Namely, obviously, you'd have to be a blind man in social media to not see the GD3 RS detail that was dropped everywhere. What's your opinion? Aggressive, uh, but uh, but but I like it. I mean, it. it, it uh, I've heard lots of opinions either way. Some people like it's too much, it's too far. But uh, I think it's it's built for a purpose, and it's um, and it looks like it's got lots of aero, and uh, it's definitely going to be a quick car on track. Because I, I think I agree completely. Because it's it's a study in downforce, isn't it? That's what yeah. they've done. Because engine wise, yeah, it's it's you know I've I've seen the the videos with Andy Prudinger, and if if you look at the just on a side note, if you look at those videos where he's on with the established journalists, like when he's on the Top Gear YouTube channel, he's the conversation is directed by the journalist, and then you've got Henry Catchpole. Who's just stood there like a little kid, pruning is <laughs> telling you about all the awesome stuff. Yeah. And and when when Henry Cashfall asks him a question, he goes, "Wait, I'm finished with this year, <laughs> this bit yet." <laughs> but, but it's a, but I love I love what they've done with it. But you're right, it's it, it's a it's a track car where you could probably drive it to the track. And I hope most people take it out on the track. The some of the detail is amazing, but I like hearing about it. But would I want to own that car? I wouldn't. Um, I love the the way that they channel the air around. You know, they've got the single radiator on the front. I love the what is it, 840, 850 kilograms of downforce that it has in a fourteen hundred and fifty kilogram car. And and the thing that I I, I liked, uh, just the nerd in me loved was that the suspension con- components are aerodynamically shaped to provide forty kilograms of downforce. Yeah, I've, I've heard <laughs> something go, like that too. Yeah. You yeah, go, that's, that's, that's detail. And and again, it's not made for top so the top speeds lower than the, the road going GC3. Um, so it's it's made for that. So if someone goes, I am going to fully exploit that and I'm gonna pay the whatever money on the configurator, I haven't done it yet, to go out on the track and do that. And so I'm going around the corner and my 30-70% split on DRS is in full flow on the straights and it and it helps me create that extra downforce around the corner you go great um but i'm you know i'm never going to experience that just because i'm not a track guy i'm sure. not really interested in driving that kind of car but i love to hear about the stuff that they've done to push it that because because the engine i think that they've pushed that naturally aspirated four liter engine as far as it will go you know i don't think they'll come out with a bigger engine but i but i love the the study and downforce that they've done it's fantastic i think that the car was designed by the hot wheels team <laughs> it looks amazing right you know and what young boy that like that's po- that's the most aggressive looking road car 
that is almost a caricature of a car that I can think of yep. that's been released in recent past. I can't even think of anything that's that extreme, you know, like none of it looks like it should be allowed on the road. None of it. The Lamborghini yeah, STO is a little extreme. Yeah, but, well. yeah it is. It, no doubt it is. But just to look at an STO, most STOs look the way they uh, look like they don't belong on the road, mainly because of the colour choices that they're made in. The, not the actual proportions of the car. That just looks like another hurricane to me with a, you know, a roof scoop, but with some, you know, slot, with an aftermarket kit on it. Whereas this thing looks like it was being built from the ground up as a, I don't, I don't even know. Like, True. Yeah. And the things I find frustrating about the car is, one, they put it on the configurator, but you can't buy one unless, you know. Yeah. You know someone or you've bought other cars and all that sort of bullshit that goes with this. So Porsche say they want the cars driven but aren't making them available to drivers. Yeah. So that, that hypocrisy to me doesn't sit that well. I think it's disappointing that they should just make as many of these cars as they can sell. There's no, it's that. not going to affect the resale value of the car. Let's face it. But the prices are so crazy now i've i've uh, seen a few people talking and uh, and going on the configurator and at least here in australia the uh the price for a sort of a reasonably basic build with a white sack pack is sort of around six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. which is I, I did it just before we did i went on the configurator before we started this podcast to have a look at the, the dollar prices here in australia yeah. so ajmal could have a reference because of how dear our cars are here now base model no options not one single option right Five hundred and forty-seven thousand eight hundred and thirty-five dollars. Drive away, Whoa. no more to pay. Yeah. Right. The Vysark pack is seventy-six thousand four hundred and twenty dollars. Wait, isn't that the Vysark pack? Isn't that just a, t a ton more carbon fiber, like exposed yeah. carbon fiber? Uh, carbon fiber roll cage. Which, let's face it, that's pretty Hollywood, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, no one, does, yeah. no one didn't smile a little bit when they saw a carbon fiber roll cage. Magnesium <laughs> wheels. Oh yes, yep. There, there's something else that happens as well. Um, I think it's a slot. There's some other aero involved. I remember on the catch pole video. It, I, I thought it was uh, so. You know, the aero on the front that directs the air out to the side mm. on the hood. I thought all of that became uh, exposed carbon fiber and you parts might be of the right. roof, maybe. Yeah, you might be right. It's something like that. And and but but the thing that I mean I like about it, like like you say, it looks like it's you know designed by a some nine year old, ten year old kid. Someone yeah. says, here's a here, here's a nine eleven. Go and make it look extreme. Yeah, pull out the crayons. But I like that there's yeah exactly. And I, I like the fact that everything has a function and pruning is not a fan of fake anything, is yeah, it? No, but so let me, keep, let me keep going on the pricing. A little well. bit where, oh, go on. PDS, like one of the optional PDS colors, not the we'll paint whatever color you want PDS, <laughs> right? Cause there's two levels, <laughs> 30 grand. Oh my God. So by the time you add up, Let's face it, if you're spending more than half a million dollars on a motor car, there's a good chance, not a guarantee, but a good chance it's not your only motor car, right? So you're probably yeah. getting a vice. How do I reckon there'd be hardly any car sold without a vice arc pack in Australia? What do you think, Jeff? Probably not. Probably globally, there's probably very few that aren't yeah. vice arc packs, to be I, honest. I agree, right? 
So where are we at there? 547 plus 76, well into the 600s, right? Yep. Plus 30 grand for your PDS, because let's face it, who wants a white, black or red one? Although the red one with the red wheels did look pretty Hollywood. That aside, the um, there's some big numbers involved here. And this doesn't include any of the other stuff you want in there. I was quite surprised that there was no adaptive cruise control option. Or garage door opener option. Because there is, isn't air conditioning a standard? Yes. Did I read that right? And yep. air conditioning and... Uh, it's a no cost, it's yeah. a no cost delete. Yeah. Classic. So, yeah. And I don't know, I'm going back to that thing about the price and making them available, because there will be large, you know, large parts, large numbers, a significant proportion of them, which will just sit in a garage and they'll be part of a collection. And, and this is my point. Very little money. Anyone that can pay for one, let them have one. Because the reality mm. is that price is going to filter out how many get built. You know, like yeah. instead of saying to dealers, you only get three, just let them, just build the things. They're forcing this, they're, in, they're forcing these overpriced. Look at what's happening in GD4RS still. Everywhere you want a GD4RS, yeah. you're paying so far over the odds now, it's not funny. In the US, it's 150000 over to get a GD4RS. Wow. That's wow. just, that, look, don't get me wrong, I'm sure it's a great car, but you're never getting that 150 part of it back. You know, so... Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is not someone's so, only car. It just frustrates me that Porsche are continuing to do this. You know, that... Well, there's one of the... One of the, one of the things that Andrew Pruninger was saying was something to do with the production line. And he said, you know, we'd have to build another production line to keep it going. And, the, and, and all this paint sample, the $30,000. Because if you look at... So years ago, in a, in a previous life, I did some work with BMW. Sure. And, you know, you've got, I don't know, hundreds of permutations of the type of build that you can have of a Mini, for example. Mm -hmm. And on the production line, it's computerized. So you just tell it, build X amount of this spec, build X amount of this spec, build X amount of that spec. And it's all computerized. They just churn out the other end. They come out. The parts are available and they come out the other end. And I'm, I'm wondering... How advanced and high-tech is the Porsche production line for GT3 production? Well, does it matter? Because every option that we've spoken about, including PDS, you can get on a McCann. You can get on every Porsche, you can get PDS, right? I bet it's not 30 grand, though. Well, it's not far from it. I bet you it's not far from it. It's just, oh, it yeah, I don't think it costs them more to, to paint a car that Porsche, if anything... The Panamera should probably be the dearest PDS because it's the biggest car they make, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you're going to look at this in some form of logic, I, I don't know. Jeff, what's your two cents worth on the, this whole thing? Look, I, I understand that they, they can only make so many cars. They've got one production line. So I, I did hear the same thing Andy Printing is saying that, you know, that's what they've got and that's all they can make. I, I sort of... I mean, as a to to have to be able to sell more than you can make is always what you probably want as a in a in a you know company. You don't want to have you want to keep a little bit of rarity, I suppose. It makes the only thing is it just makes it hard for people to 
to get into the brand. You know, people who, who certainly go, you know, have the money now or whatever, or who have been following for a long time, uh, the, the prices are just going up and up and up and getting more and more prohibitive and becoming more exclusive rather than the sort of, I don't know, slightly more inclusive brand it seemed to have been in the past. It seems to starting to get into that realm of the sort of the exotics, Ferraris and Lambos and things like that, which, you know, I think it set, set Porsche yeah. apart in the past because, yeah, because a lot of people could get, you know, something. So even now with my old cars, you can't, you know, you can't buy any of them now. Oh, mate, cheap, you know, unless Saj Mal's Boxster. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's the only one. <laughs> yeah, and that's gone. <laughs> uh, it's gone. It's gone. Did anybody Someone's enjoying that? Did either of you see the uh, any of the release information on the Gunther Works Tornado, their turbo yeah. concept car? Yes, based on the nine nine three. Looks amazing. Oh man, dude, uh, that is an understatement. Have you seen it, Ajmal? I've seen the pictures of it. I've not read the blurb on it. I mean, oh. it looks stunning. Oh. It is incredible. I think and it's just. The... How they've made that car still look like a 993, but an evolution of it. Hats off that it doesn't look like what Jeff's car turned into the rock stuff with the Alibaba <laughs> Express kit on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it'd be so easy for it to end up like that by trying to make it modern, but keep some of its, you know, just by tacking on bits. And Which, you know, let's yep. face it, a lot of cars are guilty of ending up like that, aren't they? Yeah. I think the what 993... Amazing... Sorry, go on, Jeff. Sorry, I was going to say, what, what really amazes me about that car is the fact that it was engineering first. So the the lap times around Laguna Seca, that, uh, the, the naturally aspirated car, um, it was saying, I think it's it was 0.027 of a second slower than a McLaren P1 for a naturally aspirated well, air-cooled that, car really? around Laguna Seca. And... They designed it. Basically, the car has got more grip than it needs. So they've done it all around the suspension. It's actually got a square stance. And the turbo car runs – it looks wider, but it's actually the same width as the natural aspirated car. Oh, okay. It's just got aero and, uh, you know, and, a, and a flat fan engine. and Really? You know, flat fan? Yeah, it's got it's got a flat the old school flat fan because apparently even though it uses a bit more power, it cools the cylinders all evenly rather oh, okay. than yeah, the sure. uh, vertical fan. Mm-hmm. It has to sort of go ninety degrees and, and change direction, and yeah, and so with a seven hundred horsepower track car version rather than the four hundred and thirty horsepower, I think the standard one is, and that traction around Laguna Seca, that thing is going to be an absolute bullet. <laughs> That um, whenever I think flat fan, I think nine three five. So yeah, um, yeah, it looks amazing. I always think Corvair. (laughs) Corvair. (laughs) (laughs) I think that has a flat fan, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's a little faster than the Corvair. Classic. The um, go on. The 993, I did think that they would they would struggle to make it look modern without what you've said about, Mark, you were saying about <laughs> Jeff's uh, Rockstar. I was thinking, how are they <laughs> going to make it look more modern? Because it was it was the it was the more bubble era of the 90s, wasn't it, when the 993 came out? So, you know, the lights weren't quite standing up on stalks. They were all blended into the body. You just think, how much can you change that? Whereas you can add stuff onto a 964 or a G-Body or an older Longhood 
whereas that I didn't feel like there was an easy thing to add on, but somehow they've managed to do it. Um, but what the other thing I was thinking was that all the launches that happened over that week, um, I thought, are they are they a bit pissed off because they everything's so go again i'm back what about now yep. yeah i'm right back yeah i think they probably would have been annoyed uh that, that their stuff was sort of delayed but i i'm sorry that their, their stuff may be overshadowed but that always happens with car week there's always going to be things when goodwood comes out there's always heaps of things and all these release dates but I, my opinion on the Gunther Works things is I like the fact that they're not just another singer copy sort of uh, thing. There seems to be lots of these companies coming out going, geez, singer's making a lot of money. We can do a cheaper version or another version of the basically the singer concept, which are is they, sort of... Are they the making best. money, Jeff? Well, I, I, I don't know. They, they, they're asking money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but whereas Guntherworks has gone more okay, we've we've evolved the old car rather than sort of making the best of the the original one. If you like, with the nine nine three, a couple of years ago, I was at a local um, independent Porsche workshop here, and there was a nine nine three Cup car over here that used to be used fairly regularly. And looking underneath, to get that car homologated to race. They actually have a separate set of suspension mounting points in all 993s. That, so the cup car could use a certain suspension that was different to the road cars. Now, in that multi-link setup that goes on in the back, right? Yeah. So it was really fascinating. And so I wonder whether or not Gunther works, you know, you're mentioning about suspension, whether or not they have to utilise the, these types of things to try and make the car be what it needs to be. I, I actually listened to um, the... Uh... Uh, Nine Works podcast. Where oh, they Lee. To them. Yep. And yes, Lee, Lee's podcast. And uh, and he mentioned exactly that. And they did start with the other set of ah. suspension points, but they spent a whole heap of time. They got they got a I think it's an ex Formula One engineer. Um, someone probably correct me, but uh, who 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 worked on the suspension? The suspension and handling was their primary concern when they started the whole Gunther Works thing originally. So it's all. Yeah, it's it's not just sort of adding a few bits on here and there, or just grab some off-the-shelf parts and grab you know put some shiny things on it. It's all it's all it's all handling based. Hence why the uh, the, the track times. And uh, yeah, I'm not even sure if it was P1. It might have actually even been a center that it was actually as close as. Like, it's even it's, more horrific. Yeah, it, it is. It is an astronomically fast. You know, um, yeah. Now we did mention we did mention Singer a minute ago. They released a Cabriolet because. What's the point of having a singer if people can't see you in it? <laughs> singer, like I, 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 singer inspired my nine eleven, and I really love their 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 car, their classic cars, and the DLS is mind boggling. I, I just that is an amazing feat of engineering and everything. I get what they're doing with the turbo, but. Backdating a 964 to a um, impact bumper, and it's it's I I I, I tell you the turbo missed the mark for me. Really, the turbo I thought was pretty, like you know the Singer turbo. The the way they did the impact bumper integration, the modern version of that, 
I was a, I'm a big fan of that. And the interior is just a whole another stratosphere and seeing it interiors are already at another stratosphere in my opinion. Well, I, I think, I think the... amazing car. It looks, they've done a fantastic job, but it's just, uh, I, I would prefer a classic. It just, yeah, uh, the turbo, enough. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't hit the, the next level up that I would have imagined. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, is, I would choose a classic. Is Singer, are, are Singer single-handedly responsible for the death of the 964? Because <laughs> so many people have tried to do what they've done, taken a 964, backdated it. And obviously Singer, they've re-engineered it from the ground up. So the only thing that is purely Porsche is the final shape that you see. But just the way that they've done the, the way the airflow goes through the back pillars, the, the way that the engine is is reimagined and completely re-engineered. It's still air-cooled, it's still six-cylinder, it still sits at the back, but everything is different. And like Mark said with the interior, where they talk about, you know, we had to get the carpet woven because we couldn't get quite the right pattern. And, you know, you've got to be seriously anal to go and go to that level. And then you're selling to people who have money who want to be involved in that kind of detail. But um, but for me, it's I think they are responsible for so many 964s just being being killed. Yeah, look, it's uh, look the I don't know whether or not look they're definitely responsible for the increased sale value of 964s. Even flog 964s are ridiculously expensive mm. in Australia nowadays. You know, like no matter and you know you're not buying a car that old without problems. You know, so. You've already you already have to get get into the realm of tipping another fifty into the car if you spent the better part of one fifty for an average one, you know. So overall, they're just yeah they're definitely having a big impact on the market. There's no question whatsoever. Because mm, because um, because over here they they were ten years five to ten years ago nine six you could pick up a a, a decent nine six a daily driver nine six four for a decent amount of money. But like you say now, if you went if you went to try and buy one now, it's going to be an extortionate amount of money and probably needs tens of thousands of pounds, like you say, just to get it roadworthy. And that's, to me, that's disappointing because they're great cars. Yeah, look, I think they're a bit too Kardashian for me. I prefer a 993. When I say well, Kardashian, I'm uh, talking about the heavy behind. I think, didn't the Cage Retro, is that the one that, that uh, I think they start with a 993 and backdate that. So, oh, do know, they? When you're te tearing off all the, the, guards and stuff anyway you're putting for you know carbon fiber stuff on you know you make it look like the older one but there must be a lot of 964 the... panels out there then somewhere mm. oh yeah i think they i think singer's got a got a ton of 964 panels because they don't use any of the original no, they don't. yeah build, you build your own taxis you know with mismatched panels and stuff yeah hey <laughs> um i got a handwritten letter this week from a mr paul zuckerman Really? Hang on, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> I did, and it had a sticker in it. Oh, I, well, I, I thought have, it was just I, gonna say, I want to come around there and I want to fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those stickers on my hoist. Yeah, but um, he he just posted on his, he he sent me messages on Instagram. Do you want a sticker? Yeah, I do. So I said I sent him my address, and sure enough, he hand wrote the envelope himself and. Sent it to me from his law firm. Oh, I couldn't believe it. That's, what a what a what an amazing level of humility for you know for me for somebody of that profile. 
Oh God, yeah. He's, I, I heard the podcast, the the uh, Spice Car Radio, and he was talking about how many he was writing out. He probably sent the message to every one of his followers, you know, on uh, Instagram. Yeah, because everyone would have gone, I'll have one, I'll have one. Yeah. And he's just been sending them out. Brilliant. Sounds like a future guest. Yeah, look, maybe. We could uh, reach out. There's no doubt about it. We do have a very exciting future guest coming up, and he's just trying to tie in the day, Ashmal, for if not next week, the week after. Should we talk about who it is? Who is it? Go on. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say it. Patrick Long's on. coming on. <gasps> to talk Sorry, about Luft 8. Fantastic. But we're not going. Are you going, Jeff? No, I went, I went to uh, Luft 4. Really? And it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah it, was, it was fantastic. It was at the, um, the docks and... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing <coughs> event. Yeah, yeah, well-run event. And I was amazed. Los Angeles is is mind-boggling for how many air-cooled 911s there are there. <laughs> like, there would have been, I don't know, 400 inside, and there was probably another two or 300 outside in the car park that couldn't get in to the event. It was it was wow. absolutely mental. <laughs> yeah, and um, and we're at the moment, Jeff, planning we're in the process of planning how we're going to get to ren sport reunion Ashmal and i hang on i feel oh, like I, this I, is taking on a life of its own it has somehow had, did you get a message from todd this week i did get a message from todd <laughs> <laughs> he's basically telling I, me I, do I, this and don't do that i'm already planning myself i'll be i'll be going to ren sport reunion next year as well oh, you know what we should do we need an aussie flag and we need to set up a barbecue at laguna seca Oh my god! <laughs> All the Aussies at the back of a at the back of a a nine two four that will have bought for nothing. New York, yeah, <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> and we're just going to leave at LAX when we leave. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It'll, but uh, well, I, I first when we were talking about it, I and mean, you, I mean, we were kind of joking about it. But then it, yeah, it's since the last time we spoke, Mark, it has taken on a life of its own. Yeah, I'm, I've, I'm I've been a. Uh, ambushed by um, people so we're actually going to have to start planning how we're going to make this happen Ajmal we've got plenty of time we've got a year we need, we need some sponsorship Todd says it's a two week thing yeah I reckon it should be a two week thing two weeks. yeah why not yeah, exactly. And then, and then we'll have to yeah that's, that's not a lot of planning who, who do we need to plan that for us you, we're going to have to do it you don't work I know, but I'm, I'm. There's, there's a very good chance I might start working soon. That's a look reluctant. Until no. then, right? <laughs> yeah. But, and uh, look, look. Worst comes to worst, we know Jeff's going, so we'll sleep on the on the floor in his hotel room, right? That's already done. Yeah. He doesn't know it yet, right? That's true. That is true. <laughs> Hang on, yes. Jeff. Are you taking Mrs. Jeff? Uh, we go with the boys. Going to meet me after the reunion and we're, we're, we're going to continue on and do some, some, some other stuff over there. But uh, yeah, I think she'll leave the, uh, um, the, the concentrated like <laughs> full on car weekends to, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to me and, and, and the, uh, and the boys. What's, what's so, actually quite a challenge about the Rensport reunion event is how many other events get tacked on before and after and knowing when to get there and when to leave because you know, there's going to be a ton of stuff on before and after Ajmal that are must-go-to events. 
Yeah. And we're going to have to, you know, catch up with Magnus. Yeah. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> it sounds like he's got plenty of room. We may not need you as know, much accommodation as we think. If, Brock's got a tent we can borrow. To, oh, that's true. On top of his car. Yep. Um, <laughs> but also, if, if Magnus tries to feed me skin on chips, I'll flip out. You know that. Skin on chips. No. No. Wrong. They're not even chips. That's just like a, a chopped up potato. <laughs> what have you been up to this week, Ajmal? Have you been doing any car stuff other than selling your box stuff? Well, obviously selling the selling the Boxster was a was a pretty big moment. And, highs uh, and lows, by the sounds of it. Well, I mean, when the, when the guy made me a like a really low offer, low ball, yeah, yeah, and I and I said, and he said, look, I know you're probably attached to the car. I went, no, I'm not attached to the car. I just want it fucking gone. It's shit. But uh, I just want. <laughs> it's just about I want the right amount of money. <laughs> so, God, that was that was something. And then. Um, when I went out on Sunday to a place called Podium Place, which is about 30 miles from here. So, you know, quite a long drive, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> so I work further away with... than that. <laughs> he does work it's further away than that. <laughs> my, my work is 65 kilometers away. So what's that? You know, 39 miles. About 40 miles, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so I, so I, went out, I went to this event organized by my friend John. And it's this coffee shop. It's car themed, but they uh, roast their own coffee. So there's a big machine roasting the coffee behind the glass wall, uh, seen through glass. His branded coffee is is roasted there, so he comes and picks hey, it up. It's hey, wait, wait. are you telling glass. me seen through glass as coffee is roasted behind the glass? Behind the glass, <laughs> it's seen through. It's and if you go there, it's seen through glass. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they've got that and then when you they've got a, a full-on awesome formula one simulator oh yeah um and then uh and and the coffee's pretty good and then when you're sat having your coffee there's in between there's cars for sale like a a brand new vantage v12 or a, a ferrari california or a mclaren um and they've got so, and some of them are, are going around on a spit thing so you can just stand there and sit next to it having your coffee while that's happening and this event was where everyone turned up and they're mostly air-cooled Porsches so I, nice. I went down to there with a friend of mine who's got a 1980s a g-body outlaw type car that sounds like an absolute monster and um it was a, a really great event great to catch up with a, a whole lot of people Brian was there from Rint yeah nice had a quick chat had a quick chat with him he was in a 964 convertible uh, which belongs to one of his customers. Um, so it was a really good event. But other than that, Ajmal, hang on. just wait, stop, news. stop, stop. Yeah. Because unless it's a speedster, and if it's a Porsche, it's called a cabriolet, right? All right. Okay. Cabriolet then. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, cabriolet. Okay. Carry on. It, it was because it, and also because it was a 964 with the folded down roof, it's kind of a bit like a not a bit like a beetle. It looks like a beetle. It's got the big, <laughs> no, the... big, massive roof fold down with a cover over it. It looks yeah, terrible. Exactly, because it sticks out like a, a a spoiler type thing built into the car. Like those early and beetle it's... cabs. Yeah, exactly. So when, if you look at later convertibles and, and if they've got, a, if it's a black car with a black roof and you know, and you squint and it's sunny, you think, okay, that car kind of looks okay. But then when you get some of the cars that are in between sort of, um, 
a 964 from 964 onwards to 992 they they just don't look quite right when they're in black black roof and a different color body i disagree i think porsche didn't make a decent looking cabriolet until the 991 and you know when it's got the really low roof line on it i think from that point that and the 992 cabs i think look amazing but it might also i'm more sympathetic to them as i'm getting older even though I don't have the head for it because it means blowtorch sun well, here in Perth. Well, yeah, that that is that is also a thing. You know, I have to be wearing my flat cap. Um, but the, the obviously the the thing that started it is the three five six speedster, and then there's um. Now the cabriolet came uh, out first. Um, did it come out first? Mm. But that that was the the speedster was the first, you know, car that looked good with the top down that Porsche had done. Well, they were built and... as a car with it that you could put a roof on. Not as a car that you yes. could take the roof off. Exactly. So then the, the Speedster concept, as it went through the different iterations, when it got to the, you know, the uglier and one, uglier and uglier. It, yes, it did. <laughs> it got uglier and uglier. And then I saw in person the 991 Speedster. And I thought, do you know what? That kind of looks okay. Um, but I'm still, I'm still not convinced because it all just feels a bit, incongruous like it doesn't flow together as a design like you say probably because they were designed as a 911 and then let's take the roof off put something over the top to make it a bit more aerodynamic the problem Mm. with using the speedster name is the speedster was originally built as a car that they had to make cheaper so people would buy it how can we make it cheaper we're going to take stuff off it right that's that's all the car was built for. Turns out that makes a light car. And it went really well on the track because it was light. Okay. Yeah. Then, like, if, I think the original Speedsters, like the 1956 model, it weighs something like 690 kilos. Yeah. I don't think all four wheels, 21 inch rear, 20 inch front on a 991.2 Speedster would weigh less than that. Okay, because just the sheer size of the car is massive, right? And they're heavy and, you know, if they're going to keep the Speedster name, they should have used Speedster on the Boxsters, price point focused, strip them all out, you know, make them no roof, no, you know, not even side windows like they did in the original Speedsters, make them so you can only really use them, have a token canvas flap of a roof type thing like in the Spiders, but they, what they should have done is use a spider name in the 911 cars and the speeds name in the boxes. That's my two cents on it. Yeah, because they because they went a bit after the first one that very concept. Then it just went a bit nostalgia, didn't it? It just it was literally just the name, pack the weight on, don't make it what it was originally meant for, and let's just I don't know hype the price up. Don't really strip it back, and it's just, it's I can't see the point of it personally. Speeds that followed but, the same trajectory as Elvis Presley. The early ones are young and good looking. The late ones, whew, it, that's uh, choking on a choking on a burger on the toilet. But Porsches have got a got a history of these these crazy sort of name things. Where the Speedster started out as the cheap, simple version, and then being pack. one of the most expensive ones. Whereas yep. if you, the Carrera started out as the race car, the, 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 the greatest thing, and now it's the base model. Yep. So it's yep. you know they they like to flip things on its head. Well, how about the fact that the ter- the um, the GTS name before 
the, the like when it was last used before it was reintroduced was on the 904. Possibly yep. one of the best looking Porsches ever designed and built by Bootsy, right? Beautiful car, stunning, high performance race car, one target Florio, did everything, right? Fantastic. GDS. 904 GDS. The next time that, that, that GDS term was used was on a KN. It wasn't used for that whole period, and they reintroduced it on the KN. Well, I just, I just imagine the design meeting. <laughs> Hang on, lads, I've got an idea. <laughs> yeah. Let our lightweight race car, let's, uh, let's put it on the SUV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is going on there? But I suppose you, you can't. You, you can't pay attention to anything that Porsche names anything because just look at the number progression. Nobody knows, unless you, you just have to yeah. learn it. It makes no sense at all. You just have to learn it. Yeah, that's right. Well, the, the, what car's yeah. coming after the 992, do you reckon? 994, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, <laughs> well, yeah, because, of course, they've already had the 993. And course, like, yeah. But then the 964's in there, and then before that, it's like... I mean, whenever I'm searching for a, for a part, just Googling something on my car, I often just put in 911 SC or something like that because mine's a mid-year. It doesn't really have a, a title. It's a 2.7 you know, that you put for the year. It was literally it's, just called the 911, that car, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Yep. There, was a, there was a Carrera and there was like, you know, but the basic car was a Wasn't the Carrera the 3.0? Yeah. There was a Carrera 3-litre and, mm. and it was actually the... Um, the two point the, in seventy four, I think they had the two point seven MFI, which was basically uh, the yep, yep, yep. Carrera, the nineteen seventy three Carrera, same car just with impact bumpers. Yep. Okay. Got it. But but yeah, so but yeah, when I'm looking when I'm when I'm trying to Google something, often it's just easier to put SC because it gets me close to the mark rather than trying to you know sort out from new cars and everything else. So yeah. Interesting. They don't make There's it easy. Tiny changes. So there's yeah, tiny exactly. changes that they sometimes make that are just really annoying when you go, oh, this part, it looks about right. I'll put that on. And it was like the when I was trying to get a window winder. Mine is yeah. broken. And I bet the better one thought, fits. Well, it doesn't. They were about mine. so <laughs> but it, it did, no, but it didn't, it didn't on mine. That's on the so, three five six. Uh, yeah, so what I did was I bought because it was about 60 pounds or 70 pounds for wow. the handle. Yeah. A second-hand pitted chrome handle uh, to go in my car. And for uh, £9.50, I bought the, a chrome handle that looked exactly the same but had a different fitting because it was a Beetle one, but also with the mechanism. And I mangled the mechanism to make one that fitted in the door of mine, and the handle went on, and it looks exactly the same, and it cost me £9.50. So Classic. I just riveted, pop riveted the thing back on. The, the bit where the handle goes on and everything else is the same, so bolt exactly the same, looks exactly the same. That door card is never coming off, is it? Uh, well, it went, if that handle breaks and someone comes to put buy, spends that money on a Porsche one, they're going to go, why doesn't this fit? Classic. <laughs> it's, it's a Beetle print. <laughs> so uh, what, what do we got coming up? What, what do we got the week ahead? Anything exciting? Uh, not uh, car-related this week. But I was hoping to do a longer trip in my 912, and I've not done anything about the distributor. So the 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 worn my my worn shaft notch is still a worn shaft notch. 
Yeah, fair cut, fair um, enough. Yeah. So, so I still want it. So when it probably warms up, it's still idling high because the <laughs> the rotrons flapping about. Classic, classic. Jeff, you get good good speed, good acceleration though with all that fuel. Yeah, getting fairly punched in, in there. <laughs> Jeff, you got anything exciting <laughs> yeah. uh, upcoming? Well, you must be getting close to painting the El Ferrari. I actually put the first color on today. Like after two and a half years of building this car, I finally oh. got color on it. Today. I know this is a well-kept secret, so I'm not going to ask, right, what color that it is because I know you're going to yes. want to release it on your YouTube channel. Yes. It will, it will be out on Sunday, the, the uh, like to the public. Like to I'm Sunday. going early on a guess. Okay. I reckon it's going to be a green. Well, I actually got my I got my viewers to guess um, last video. Oh yeah. Um, I actually skipped a video for the first like this last weekend when I was was when I was in Perth. Yep. Um, I skipped skipped a video and um, I got them all to guess. And by far and away, the most popular guess was red. Um, Hardly surprising, was, Alpha. Right? Yeah, I get it. Yep. There, there, there was, and the Ferrari there was, bit. Yeah, yeah, Alpha Ferrari was red. Then. Um, Yellow, then green were the next closest oh, yeah, guesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then white, and then we had a we had people guessing tartan. We had guessing, people guessing, you know, brown and pink and purple and other colours. But uh, I think yeah, a black would probably work well to hide the bonnet bulge and stuff like that. Black would probably work pretty well on the car. The the thing is, is that uh, I, I've. Um, I'll give away this much because I do go on a bit of a rant in this uh, in this next video, but uh, but I rage against the uh, the monochrome monotony of cars on the road today. Yep. When you drive down any street and everything is black, white, or grey, a shade silver. of yeah, shade of mono. Yes, or a shade of that, and it drives me insane. So I will never paint any of my cars black, white, or gray. And people who order like a silver GT3 RS, I'm sort of like, no, why? <laughs> That car needs to just, even if you don't want it to be fluoro green, you could do it in like a like a deep blue or s something other than just a boring silver GT3. I, I do. I, t I tell you, I really like that fish eye uh, gray or whatever they call it, that 356 color that they did that 70th anniversary. It's like that green gray. Have you seen it? Mm hmm. Look it if, it's up. Got, if it's more green than grey, then maybe, but it's got to be more <laughs> but green. I'm going out on a limb. I reckon, you've more gray. I reckon you've painted Enough. the alpha green. That's my call. It's going well, to be one of the Italian colours. Uh, yeah, and also I think you should have called it for alpha. And then you could call it Ralph for, <laughs> Ralph for sure. Nah, for Romeo. For Romeo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's it. <laughs> Romeo for short. Um, for Romeo. But the thing, because I, I was looking at what you were, uh, with, with the bodywork wise, when you were doing the, I think it's one of the most recent videos where you were doing the engine bay um, and you're putting all the effort into getting rid of the hiding the, the weld spots yeah. and everything in that uh, area just to be absolutely perfect. Are you going to paint the the engine bay in the traditional, slightly more matte finish, or is it all going to be high gloss everywhere? Uh, it's high gloss everywhere. Like the underside is matte, but the rest is is gloss body color. And um, yeah, I I I don't. I mean, I get the if you're going to have like a, a matte black 
engine bay and some matte engine bays the trouble is, is that they when they get dirty they're horrible to ever clean i i personally hate matte externally painted cars uh or matte wrapped cars even worse mostly because it just always feels to me like it's a it's a you know a, an at home paint job but even though i am painting it at home so technically this is but it, it just feels like it's like it's like it's a new channel called home built it is, okay, just but I don't want to be poorly done. The trouble is, is like matte paint jobs, you can't, if you have any issue, you can't buff it out. You can't, you can't yeah. polish the car. It's very difficult to paint. This like, just a terrible idea. Terrible. <laughs> and well, let, well, regardless of what he does in the engine bay, I've watched, I reckon I've watched 20 to 30 of the Alfa Ferrari videos across the years, right? Yeah. I don't think there has ever been a car that's had its engine in and out more than that car. <laughs> well it must have been in and out 20 times by now oh more, way more than that uh like <laughs> like I, I do it like when i'm trialing the when i made the exhaust manifolds because there is it's a no room reasonably large v8 in the front of a tiny little car there is zero room um forget trying to make equal length uh headers like i, I did you did that. you try I, I yeah there was there was I made them really close and, and, and really tight and there was they still didn't fit three or three or four iterations that to keep I had to basically run them so they basically come straight out of the engine and run perfectly parallel to the engine because because that's the only way they would fit like there is and there's still there's only 10 mil between that and the the rail of the car so the engine has only got can only move 10 mil either side before it touches oh, you should have just come straight out the bonnet then with the exhaust yeah, that, that might have been the easier way. It was just straight up. There was no way of doing it that doing equal length, unfortunately. So, and, and so, have you mocked it all? Did you mock it all then? So you did the obviously the steering. Steering always gets in the way, doesn't it? Yes, I converted um, so... it. Standard the car has a steering box. Uh, I converted it to a steering rack, so that is like a challenge in itself because you've got to think about bump steer and you know the size of the rack and 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 all, like there's it's it's a crazy complicated thing you can't just sort of slap a steering rack in wherever you want it, it, it's a lot of work and engineering in that and the car's a dry sump but um when i designed the adapter plate for the gearbox uh because well the gearbox i chose i'm actually using a subaru brz gearbox because uh -huh. i needed a gearbox that was reasonably small um it's about the limit of its uh, uh like sort of torque limit but the ferrari engine is actually not a very torquey engine it's a high revving engine it's a, it's got 400 horsepower but it's not a whole lot of torque and drifters in the brz's with turbos will sort of start breaking them at about 400 horsepower but they're generally you know smashing it and turbos have a lot of torque down low I needed the starter motor on the gearbox side because the Ferrari engine has the, the starter motor that way. But the most complicated part was the fact that the Ferrari is a dry sump engine. So the oil tank sits on top of the gearbox and the oil is sort of pumped into the, 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 the tank and flows through the gearbox, through the bell housing back into the engine. So I had to make the 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 return. I had to make my own dry sump tank, which I could we only could hide it. in... Sorry? Where did you put the tank? It's inside the, between the, the sort of internal rail of the car and the front guard. So I had to make a custom made aluminium tank. And it's not just a bucket. It's actually got like diffusers. Yeah, they're and stuff baffling inside. and stuff yeah, inside like, them, do they? 
bench. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite complicated thing that I had to fabricate to fit in a exact spot. So it tucks in behind the front wheel, um, you know, sort of behind the front door, like between the front door and the front wheel inside the. So you must have, must have a stone guard or something as well, to, so it doesn't get punched a hole in it while you're yeah, yeah, on the road. Yeah, I've got a I've got a stone guard there. I've actually I had to make a custom. I had to make a whole custom thing because the the return line is a dash twenty an line, which is enormous. Yeah. Um, and that has to go in behind the front wheel. There had to be enough clearance for the front wheel, and then I had to make a guard over that so that it oh, doesn't goodness. get punctured by stuff from the wheel. So there's like a whole sh- molded sheet metal. there's so many complicated things on this car it's just it's just crazy it's 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 not just a matter of putting the engine in and chuck some oil in it and and and, you know (laughs) off it goes how long do you think it'll be till you get to drive it on the road i reckon it's within the next 12 months like because because i'm at painting stage now so i've done all of the engineering to make it work i've changed the rear suspension i've got you know, I've connected up the drive line. I've connected up all the systems. So it's got fuel, it's got oil, it's got brakes. Uh, like, because I've changed all the brakes as well to... Um, Catered for 400 horsepower. Fuel, bus yeah. cylinder. Um, mm. And actually, um, uh, Chris from uh, C12 Racing, who actually has a 911, an old air-cooled 911, um builds custom 911 brakes and he also does alpha brakes he he, he made made some alpha brakes for me um that are custom for this car uh so six piston front calipers four piston rear he's actually in in the uk and uh yeah he's uh he's a legend he did some great stuff so yeah i've so many things to, to make a car like this work a custom fuel tank because i couldn't have the the standard fuel tank because it was sat too low and i need somewhere for the exhaust to go in the car so i've yeah and i changed the the the, the fuel filler is now external fuel filler because the tank has to sit higher because it normally sits in the floor of the boot and oh, okay. that was too low so now that's a I, you know so many things i built a whole new wiring harness for the car just a body wiring harness for the car because it had no harness so i had to you know map out a harness and make a whole new harness from scratch and wire it to the ecu so i got rid of the ferrari ecus and because it ran like two four cylinders mm-hmm. and has a crazy immobilizer that's a nightmare because you know it's 90s technology you can imagine is horrible so yeah wiring it up to to run it yeah lots and lots <laughs> lots and lots and lots of issues that i hopefully have solved have you started on the interior yet planning it no i've I've got ideas and I've, you know, I've built the roll cage for it. I've got, you know, you've got a half cage, much simpler than my 911 because I realized that my 911 is stupid. Uh, and, uh, um, and I'm using the factory seats because they have a really, really funky headrest. That's um, it's a timber. It joins, joins the, the, the headrest is joined by, by like a timber board. Okay. It's got small little sort of slotted grooves in it that actually, winds up and down and and you uh, it's hard to explain but it's 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 a really cool feature that i thought i wanted to keep so i'm going to bolster and obviously sew and 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 retrim the interior and yeah with, everything else to with that. the seats like alpha 105 seats actually are very typical of italian seats of that era with the mm-hmm. tight roll 
like almost like beads, I guess, of you the get, way they work. Are you going to are you going to maintain some of that type of look? Do you think in the to give it that old alpha feel, or and or you going to make them I'm the way thinking, you think they should be? I'm I, I I'm thinking I'm actually going to go the Ferrari way and and go the Daytona, Daytona look. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, hmm. so so with the the little strips with the uh, punched out holes in them, sort mm -hmm. of on their way down. Um, I, I sort of the alpha way is probably easier to 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 do. It's more more sewing, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated doing the Daytona ones. But I think it's sort of again another little nod to the Ferrari engine. That's yeah, sort yeah, of in yep. a combo of both. And the with the um, is it going to be saddle brown interior like every one hundred and five I've ever seen? Uh, it's got to match the exterior color, but yes, I probably a saddle brown is what I'm what I'm looking at. Some it's definitely sort of, green then. That that's 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 what I, what I'm I'm thinking because uh, I I on my daily drivers I prefer like a modern car. I a tan interior generally uh, you know doesn't age very well, but uh, um, the saddle brown is sort of a bit bit better wearing than a, than a light tan interior and black interiors. Look good on modern cars because they they last for ages and, and are easy to resell. But uh, I like to really see the interior on the old car, and I really sure. want it to be a feature. So I like mm -hmm. the lighter interior, I like that sort of has, stand out. It's got one of those really deep spoke Alpha steering wheels that look like the the steering column wasn't long enough when they made the car, so they made the steering wheels stick out further. It does. It's got a wooden one, but one of my viewers actually gave me a period ferrari steering wheel oh really like momo ferrari steering wheel so so um i think it's maybe an 80s ferrari like steering 308 wheel. or something like that yeah yeah i think so and uh, yeah so so that's probably what i'll what i'll use the only thing is, is it's got a bit of patina on it so i'm gonna have to try and tidy it up because everything else is gonna be brand like yeah, yeah. new inside mm. and you know, I'm still trying to work out how I'm going to get the gauges to work and things like that because it's got a cable clutch and a cable speedo that neither of them are going to work with a Ferrari engine, but I'd like to keep the original sort of – the dash was quite a sort of a bespoke sort of thing that for that car that I want to keep, maintain. I don't want a modern digital dash in it. I want it to look the part. If I can make one suggestion when you do have your first drive video mm -hmm. in a nod to the Ferrari heritage of the car. Mm -hmm. Can you grow a Magnum PI mustache just for that video? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, of course. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe I need to do yeah. that. You've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the sunglasses. Yeah. Because I, I was just thinking about, because um, what came first, the car, or did you decide you were going to get something retro and put this Ferrari engine in? Um, the the car actually came first. Um, it was only because actually one of my, my uh, uh, mates here in, he's actually in Queensland. He, he put a, uh, what a lot of people hate. He put an LS in the back of his uh, no. called 911. And um, yeah, he was talking about it and sort of, um, he was mentioning that he looked up Ferrari prices and he, Ferrari engine prices. And he was talking about potentially putting a Ferrari engine in the back of that. And, and that got me thinking, I looked it up and I'm like, well, really? That's actually not too bad. Like for the price, I, I probably paid not much more than it would have cost me to sort of to do up the original Alpha engine and and, and hot rod that. Like it's you know, I mean, rebuilding engines is expensive, um, mm. and this engine's out of a car that had 
from it was a crashed Ferrari three hundred eight from Japan that had twenty seven thousand Ks. Maybe a three hundred sixty. Sorry. Maybe a three sixty, not a three hundred eight. Sorry, it was a three. Yes, yeah, a three sixty. Yeah, it's a two thousand model Ferrari three hundred sixty, um, and he had four three hundred sixty engines on the shelf. He is a record that just does exotic cars and has. You know, had a four five eight engine, had a four eighty eight engine, had Maserati engines and Porsche engines and all sorts of stuff. Didn't have any air cooled because he said it, they were too expensive to buy. He couldn't. Wow. He couldn't do it. So. <laughs> Classic. Oh, anyway, well, really so, looking, so that's looking forward to uh, seeing how that comes out. Anyway, Jeff. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I so am I. <laughs> <laughs> and like. I'm not sure what year the Datsun 240 was, but judging from, um, I know how long those cars were in production for, that plus your Porsche, now this Alpha, is a lot of 90, 1974 going on. Yeah, the, the well, not the the Alphas, well, maybe the Alphas 73. Ah, okay. My 974. What was the data? I had a 74, uh, uh, that was a 71. Ah, okay. And I had a 74, a 73, 74 Beetle. I can't remember now. Mate, remember. You, what else was built then? Seventy three, seventy four. Well, that's it. You, you must be well, out for a Kingswood. Yeah, mate. <laughs> that's well, an Australian car, Rajmal. I've heard of one of those. The, the three main cars that I was looking at was the the, the nine eleven, the Alpha, and the two forty Z. And I was actually wanted to um, build a two forty Z, and I was looking for one for ages, and I couldn't find one. And then the Alpha came up, so I bought that, and then. Like a, a few weeks later, the Datsun came up and I was like, oh, and I just grabbed the Datsun and the, and the Alpha was very cheap and those cars rocketed. Um, so the Alpha sat aside and I built the Datsun first. And um, yeah, unfortunately, the Datsun is is a beautiful car, one of the most beautiful cars of the period, but it just did not drive very well at all compared to, I know they race very well and they're, and, and they're really good and I spent two years building it, but it just it just wasn't compared to the 911 the 911 was light years ahead of its time even though they were roughly the same age and roughly the, the same 2.8 liter engines you know in theory um the the Datsun and the Datsun had coilovers and and all new bushings and you know and it just it just was not it was nowhere near as refined as the 911 to drive the drive 911 drives much more modern than what the age would let you know. Hmm. Not good to know. So yeah. Okay, then good one. All right, then. Well, I think we'll uh, we'll call it quits on today. We've had a pretty good chat, and really appreciate your time, Jeff. It's been yeah. nice having a chat. I'm going to be interested to hear in the future whether or not you listen to podcasts you're on. Right, you know, because uh, I know you listen to your <laughs> podcasts in your shed when you're doing your work. I and, do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyone out there who is thinking about um. You know, following Jeff, check out his YouTube channel it, and his Instagram, Home Built by Jeff. I'm Mark from Mark and Cars, and Ajmal is Flat Cap Driver. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thanks, Jeff, for your time. Thank you very Thank much, you. guys.